0: Okay, well, we are here in week two of our series, Unique. And today, to get started, I actually am going to tell you uh, about one of the more unique things that I own and a little bit of the story behind it. So in 2019, uh, my grandfather turned 90, and with his health beginning to fade... Um, He made the decision to move from the home that he had built and lived in in small town, Watoma, Wisconsin. And he moved to Colorado to live with my uncle and aunt. And while packing up and cleaning out the house at his 90th birthday party, he distributed some gifts to each of the 11 grandchildren. Now, I wasn't present for that party because... Marvel my 4-year-old daughter she had been born uh, a week b- about a week before that party so I missed the birthday celebration and family reunion but my grandpa didn't hold that against me he gave the gift to my parents who brought it out about 2 weeks later when they came to visit to meet Marvel their new grandchild so uh, what each grandchild got was a silverware set that my grandparents had collected and my parents they they had not opened or looked at the set so when they got to our house they handed me the box with the name Chris on it and I opened it up and sure enough it was a silverware set but on top of the silverware set there was something that really caught my eye because it had a pretty uh, it had on the top of it a pretty unmistakable symbol it had a swastika on the top of the spoon now I'm gonna be honest here. My first thought was that my dad had decided to pull some sick prank on me and had put it in there as a joke, but he swore up and down that they had not opened it and he had no idea that that was even in there, which that filled me with all kinds of questions. Number one, why did my grandpa a.k.a. my German grandpa even have a spoon with a swastika on it. That's question number one. Next question. Hey, dad, didn't you say that all the family was over like way before the war? Uh, Number three. Number three. Uh, why did my grandpa want me specifically to have the swastika spoon? I mean, like I called my sister. Her silverware set didn't have a spoon like that. Why was I chosen for this, for, for this gift? I had all kinds of questions about this unique gift, to say the least, this unique gift from my grandpa, and honestly... I was so disturbed and so bothered by this. I took a picture of it. I took a picture of the spoon so that someday when I was ready to grapple with you know, what it was and why it was given to me, so that at that point, whenever I was ready, I could do some research on it. And then I put it away and and and, and I just just so you can see this is, this is what this what the spoon looked like. Now a few months later, when, when Marvel was old enough to travel a bit, we took a trip to Colorado to see some family and to see my grandpa, and so my grandpa could meet Marvel. Uh, and while we were up there spending some time, I, after a few days of kind of like, you know, being around each other, I decided to ask my grandpa about the spoon and why it was a gift for, my, for me, my grandpa took one look at the picture and he instantly got a big grin on his face, which worried me, which concerned me like, to no end. Now, and, and he said, I wanted you to have that because grandma and I bought that in New Mexico on one of our big long camping trips across the US. That's why we wanted you to have it since you live where we bought it. In the Southwest US, that's a Native American symbol, meaning well-being. And then my 90-year-old grandpa said this, maybe you should learn about the place that you live. And I was like, what a great zinger. Thanks 90 year old grandpa. So here's the thing, like, like, like getting an answer, getting an answer that didn't include anyone I was related to being a secret Nazi or thinking I might be one, that brought a great deal of peace that I didn't know I needed as much as I needed it. Anyway, today in our series unique, I wanna actually talk about that word peace. Matter of fact, if you're watching online right now, would you go ahead and type in the comment section, peace? Or would you look at someone in the room with you who may or may not be watching with you? And would you freak them out by saying peace to, to each other? Because that, there's something that we've all been taught or, or have believed when it comes to the idea of peace. And compared to what we've believed, our Christian faith has a vastly different and unique approach to how we actually obtain peace or how we, how we live in peace. See, Here's the thing that we've been taught or here's what many of us have believed or the way that many of us have lived our lives. We have lived as if we believe this to be true, that peace can only exist in the absence of conflict that peace can only exist in the absence of conflict. So conflict has to be gone. There can be no conflict for me. In order for me to have peace, in order for you to have peace, in order for you to have peace in your relationships, in your workplace, in your home, in your family, financially, you've got to have no conflict in order for you to have peace. In order for you to have financial peace, you've got to have no financial conflicts, no financial stress, no financial worry. In order for you to have relational peace, to live at peace with the people who around you, the people that you work with, the people that you live with, the people that you are related to, you have to have no conflict with them in order for you to have peace. That's the way we live. In order for you to have peace about your future. You've got to have no stress, no worry, no anxiety about your future because that's the only way we can actually have peace. We only get to have peace when we don't have conflict because the way we live and the way we believe and the way that many of us have been taught, peace can only exist in the absence of conflict. And so for that to happen I mean, let's be honest, because life is so full of conflict, because life is so full of stress, life has so many different things to worry about. In order for that to be a reality, in order for you to have peace, there's a couple of things that you would have to do, or maybe, maybe you have to do all three of these as a solution. But the first solution, if you've got to get rid of all conflict in order to, to have peace, the first, the first thing that you would have to do is to resolve any and all conflict. Because life is full of conflict, and if you're going to get get to a place of peace where you get rid of all conflict, you've got to resolve conflict. You've got to apologize. You've got to confess. They've got to apologize. They've got to confess. You've got to forgive. They've got to forgive. You've got to move on. You've got to get to a place where you just agree with everyone because you have resolved any and all conflict that you have with anyone. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that sound like it's a realistic possibility for you? that you would just resolve every bit of conflict that with your brother and with your sister-in-law and with your mom and your dad and your in-laws and, and your neighbor who, kind of, who, who smokes too much weed and so your house ends up smelling like weed because they smoke too much weed and your, and your kid's teacher at school that has higher standards than you think anyone should have for your kids and with, and with the people at, you, at, the, at your work and with all kinds, does it sound like you will ever get to a place where you resolve all of the conflict with all of those people at the same time? Probably not. The second thing is that after you've resolved all the conflict, you would then have to avoid any and all conflict. Like you avoid it in the future. You make sure that once you've got everything resolved, that you don't add any more, that you avoid all conflict in the future. You avoid people that bring conflict. Unfortunately, when you do cut out everyone you have conflict with, what you will find is you still probably have some conflict because let's be honest, sometimes you are a person that causes conflict. Maybe you avoid social situations that stress you out. You avoid life situations that stress you out. You avoid anything that triggers anxiety or stress. And I'm not making fun of the idea of trigger. Triggers is, is a really important you know, term when it comes to therapy, when it comes to actual trauma. Unfortunately, I would say sometimes it gets misused and abused by people who don't really understand it. But there are, in time, at times in life, there are very real triggers of actual trauma and actual pain and actual hurt. And so if you're gonna avoid any and all kinds Conflict and any and all stress, you've got to avoid anything that triggers your anxiety or your trauma or your stress. Because I can only have peace when I'm not triggered by anything or when I'm not triggered by anyone. And so all of those people that cause conflict, I got to cut them all out. All of the situations that sometimes stress me out, I got to cut all of them out. I've got to avoid any and all situations that bring and people that bring along conflict and stress. And then finally, the third thing that you would have to do is to, since, since, since let's be honest, it's not really possible to resolve all conflict, and it's not possible to avoid all conflict, since it's kind of impossible to do those two things, the third thing that we could choose is to escape any and all conflicts, right? To escape, to just kind of run away from it, to run away from it, to hide from it, to try to forget it and act like it doesn't really exist, to put our head in the sand and go, I don't got any, put, put our fingers in our ears and go, la, 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 I don't have any problems. I don't actually have any conflict. I don't have any stress. I don't have anything going on that's a dif- that's a difficult thing. But the problem with that is simply this that whenever you stop running and you stop hiding and you stop pretending, the conflict is still there because all of your running and all of your hiding and all of your pretending didn't actually do anything to address the stress, to address the conflict, to address the problem, to address the rub, to address the anxiety. It didn't do anything to actually deal with it or address that conflict. Like I, when it comes to the idea of escaping, this is this is a big deal. Like I've been in ministry for over 20 years now. I've been a follower of Jesus and engaged in local churches for my entire life for 40 years now. And in that time, even in Christian circles, like unfortunately, sometimes we even become guilty of telling people to do this. And it has always bothered me. Hey, 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 in worship. You really want to get lost in worship? You just forget about anything bad and everything hard in your life right now, and you just press into Jesus close your eyes to the rest of your life and fix your eyes on jesus right i mean like some of you you've been a part of churches where you've heard things like that that you close your eyes to the rest of the world so you can fix your eyes on jesus you 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 you, you turn away you, you forget about everything bad that's going on in your life everything hard going on in your life and you just kind of escape into work like escape from that you escape into worship and worship becomes an escape from the rest of life and listen You should press into Jesus. You should pursue Jesus. We all should. We should all fix our eyes on Jesus, but you don't have to close your eyes to what's happening in life to fix your eyes on Jesus. You don't have to forget about everything difficult happening in your life to be able to recognize the goodness of God. And I really believe that sometimes the biggest growth that can happen in our faith is when we recognize and realize the goodness of God, even in the difficult moments of life to see past the immediate circumstances, and recognize the ultimate goodness and blessings of God that don't depend on our circumstances. And so all of that to say, today we're going to spend some time, again, looking at one of these famous passages from scripture from the Old Testament that's incredibly famous. It's incredibly well-known. And sometimes because it's so well-known, in fact, some of you, you memorized portions of this as a child. For some of you, you've memorized portions of this as an adult. Some of you, you will know this exact as soon as I hear it, because, as soon as I read it, because you have heard this at different points along the way through your life. But the reason that this is so well-known and so famous is because what it teaches us about God is so unique in comparison to the way we so naturally want and tend to live our lives as we seek peace. This is Psalm 23. This is Psalm 23. Already you're like, ah, I know exactly what it says. The Psalm 23, and it was written by David, written by either David before he became king or written by David after he became king, who experienced a good deal of conflict and stress throughout his life, both before he was king And while he was king, he had plenty of moments of conflict, plenty of moments of stress, plenty of moments where the thought was like, was certainly, you know, you know what? I've got to remove all the things and all the people causing conflict so that I can have peace. And at some point, David had the realization that he had experienced something very different in life because of his relationship with God. That he did not re- need to remove all of the conflict in order to find peace, but he had to simply find God in the middle of whatever he was going through, and there he would find peace. Here's what he wrote in Psalm 23 He said, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now I'm going to pause there. We're going to come back to the rest of it in just a minute. This is something that we need to recognize. Do you, do you notice what you see there? The Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have everything I need. I'm not in want. I don't, I'm not in lack. I am not discontented with what I have. I have everything I need. Now, maybe not everything I want, but I have everything I need. And because the Lord is my shepherd, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path. And there's this key word there, he. You might have noticed I was trying to emphasize it a little bit. Notice nowhere in there is that the Lord, that I am my own shepherd, and because I'm my own shepherd, I have everything I need. And I let me lie down in green pastures and I lead myself beside quiet waters and I renew my life and I lead myself along the right path for the name of Jesus. Like that, 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 does, that doesn't exist. David said when he looked at his life, And we looked at his experiences and we looked at his search for peace in the middle of conflict, in the middle of the difficult moments of life, in the middle of the challenging moments of life, in the middle of the, I don't know where to turn moments of life. David said, I still have peace because peace is never found within me. Peace is only found in he. Peace is never found within me. Peace is only found in he. So I have everything I need, not everything I want, but every legitimate need God has provided as the shepherd of my life. And as the shepherd of my life, he leads me beside green pasture. He lets me lie down in green pastures. This is reference to a place of rest that while so many of us struggle, let's be honest, so many of us struggle to know where to find rest or how to find rest, or if we found it, what we would even do with it how to rest well. David says, I'm running a kingdom. At one point, I was on the run for my life from a king. I'm running a kingdom and trying to build a kingdom and trying to build a palace and try to expand the influence of my kingdom and go to war and all of the things that come with being a king. And in the middle of that, I know that there is a God who leads me to a place of rest. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He also leads me towards quiet waters. This is a place of provision. If the green pastures are a place of rest, the quiet waters are a place of provision. I mean, like where where we don't, in our own self, I don't ever seem to have enough and I can't ever be enough. And is there enough for me today? And is there enough for my tomorrow? And what's going to happen with these bills? And what's going to happen with this debt? And all of this stuff, like, and and, and are we going to have food on the table today? And am I enough at my workplace? Am I enough in my relationship? Do I have what it takes to make this thing happen. David says, what I've come to understand, like, do I have what it takes to be a king? Do I have what it takes to be a dad? Do I have what it takes to be a husband? And if, you know, according to the, you know, in David, we're like, well, maybe not so much, but like, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Do I have enough? David says, he, lets, he leads me beside quiet waters there where I don't have enough. God has a place of perfect provision. He renews my life, the renewal of my life, that God himself renews my life. He, not me, renews my life, that when I make a mess of my life, God knows how to make me new. And not only knows how, but has provided a savior to make me new. He leads me along the right path, that he directs me in the way of life. When I don't know which way to to turn and I don't know which way to go, God always knows this is why peace is never found within me because I don't know which way to go and I make a mess of my life and I certainly don't know how to renew my life and I don't know where to find enough provision for today let alone tomorrow and I don't know where to find rest or how to rest but God as the source and the shepherd of my life he protects me he provides for me he leads me to rest. He leads me to his provision. He renews my life. And he is the light of my life. And he leads me along the right path. That when I don't know, and I don't know, and I don't know, and I don't know, I can still find peace because peace was never meant to be found in me. Peace was always meant to be found in he. You're like, okay, cool. So the, so the, the key to finding peace is is to leave all of those worries behind, to leave all those other voices behind, to leave all those things that are trying to distract me behind, and to simply focus on God. Now, here's the thing. That's part of it. That's about 50%. But now, in the next verses, David's going to give us the next 50%. Because that first 50%, if that's all you do, that's escapism Christianity. That's I turn my back on everything so I can just remember the times where God provides. And I can just remember that like, and David said, no, there's actually more to it than that. He goes on. He says, even when I go through the darkest Valley, even when I'm in that place where it's dark and it's dangerous, other translations, maybe the way that you memorized it was like, even when I walk through the Valley of the shadow of death, when death is following me, when it's that dark and when it's that dangerous, he says, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then he says this, and this is where I'm, we're going to hang out for a little bit. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, let me tell you something that you need to understand about, th- about this whole thing, why this other 50% is so important. See, your life is full of enemies of you. Your life and my life, every one of our lives... Is filled with enemies of you. Now, some of you are going to like, finally, someone who gets me and understands that there are so many people in my life who are out to get me, and I've got so many enemies, and I got so many people who are trying to take me down. And my neighbor, you know, and my my neighbor is trying to take me down. And my and my kid, you know, my kid's teacher is trying to take me take her down and take me down with them. And like they're like, you know, sometimes I feel like my wife or my my husband is trying to take me down. Everyone's trying to take me down. Everyone's out to get me, and that's not what I'm talking about. Sorry to tell you this, not actual people here, not actual people who are out to get you, but within every single one of our lives, there are enemies of your soul. There are enemies of your peace. There are enemies of your joy, enemies of your devotion and your affection and your attention to God. There are forces outside of your control that work to steal and destroy your soul, your peace, your joy, your life, and your devotion and connection to God. And if I had to pick four, I mean, I could have picked seven. I could have picked 8 I, mean, I could have picked six. I could have used the devil's number. Six. I could have done a lot of different things. But when I think about it, I, I, I came on four that I think are like the most common enemies of our soul. And as I say, some of them, you're going to think that's not an enemy. That's just life. Look, here's the thing. Your life is full of enemies of you things that are trying to steal and kill and destroy and rob you of your peace and your joy and your hope and your life and your encouragement in in, in God and your devotion and affection to God. The four things that I would say more than anything else in life forces outside of our control that so often try to steal our, our joy and our hope and our peace are simply hurry, worry, anxiety, and lack. Hurry, worry, Anxiety and lack, hurry—the pace of life that tries to suck out the life, the life out of us. That tries to keep us so busy, so busy that we have no time to look at and remind ourselves of the goodness of God. That remind re, hurry that removes the ability to sit still and to be calm because we are in such a hurry. Worry because when I'm worried, I focus on everything that is a problem and I can't even focus. I can't, I couldn't take my eyes to put my eyes on the good things in my life. I have so much to worry about. I have so much to be fearful of. I'm worried about today. I'm worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about my life. I'm worried about my kids' life. I'm worried about my spouse's life. I'm worried about our extended family. I'm worried about where we're gonna live. We have a house, but for some reason, I'm worried about where we're gonna live. I'm worried about what we're gonna drive, I'm worried about what we're gonna eat. I'm just worried, worried, worried. if you're like that, sounds an awful lot like anxiety, anxiety is a little bit different. Anxiety is not the external things, anxiety is those internal things that we feel like we can't control but continually won't leave us alone. It's those voices in your head, the voices in your heart, the thing in your gut that just won't stop and you're not worried about anything. You're not particularly anxious about anything. You're just anxious. You have some anxiety. There's something that won't let you be at peace, whether it's your heart, your conscience, your mind, your guilt, whatever it may be. There is something that will not let you have peace internally. And then lack... Simply meaning that feeling of I don't have enough, and you'll never have enough, and it's a discontentment with what I have because I believe that what I have is not enough to make me happy and to fulfill my life and to make my life meaningful. Now, here's the thing, and here's the reason I wanted to camp out here for so long, and this is re- this is really the meat of the message today. We're going we're to hang out here for a little while. Far too often, we sit and eat at the table of our enemies. Far, far too often, the way that we have lived, the way that maybe you grew up, maybe the family that you grew up in, maybe, the, the, your, maybe your parents were guilty of this and you naturally took it on because this was something that was you know just modeled for you. Maybe you, you were around some people that, that you know, they loved God and they trusted God, but when it came to the way they lived their lives, they all too often sat at the table of their enemies. And when we do that, we consume whatever it is that our enemies place before us and feed to us. Like what we consume what hurry and busyness feed us. There's never enough time. And they can feed us lies. There's never enough time. There's never enough time. There's never enough time. You can't slow down. You can't have calm. You can't have peace because your schedule is so busy because you've gotta be here and there and there. You have no time to settle down. You have no time to find calm. You have no time to find peace because all you have is Hurry, hurry, pace, pace, pace. When we consume what worry feeds us, there's always something to fear. Worry puts a little bit more fear on your plate. Oh, you want some, some gravy on that on that fear stuffing? You want some gravy on that fear mashed potato? Like it puts a little bit more on the plate every single time. A little bit more, a little bit more because there's always something to fear. Wait, you know, Things are going pretty well for you right now. Well, wait until the other shoe drops. I mean, some of you, you have lived your entire lives waiting for the like... Knowing that every time something good happens, there's another shoe that you believe is going to drop. And then unsurprisingly, you always find another shoe that drops and things turn out to be bad. We, when, we, when we consume what anxiety feeds us, there's no peace. You're not enough. People will always reject you. You're not smart enough. You shouldn't open your mouth in social situations. You're going to embarrass yourself. Just sit in the corner and be quiet. But then you're sitting in the corner and being quiet and you're thinking the whole time, I bet everyone's looking at me thinking, thinking, why are they sitting in the corner just being quiet? Why aren't they talking to anyone? And, the, and whether you open your mouth or whether you sit still and be quiet, you think you're always going to be rejected because that's what anxiety has fed you. That's, what the, that's the lies that anxiety has fed you. When we consume what lack feeds us, there's never enough and you'll never have enough. And no matter how big, how small the phone is, no matter how big the TV is, no matter how many new clothes your kids have, no matter how great a clothes you have, no matter how many pair of shoes you have, no matter how new your purse is, no matter how new your everything is, no matter how recently your hair has been touched up, no matter how many tattoos you have, it will never be enough because you'll always find yourself in lack because what lack does, it feeds you the desire for more. So far too often we sit and eat at the table of our enemies. But here's what's so unique to that in in, in the passage that, in what David wrote, in the middle of a culture that says you're going to get rid, you've got to get rid of all of that in order to have and know peace. God promises in his word. David said, my experience is that God, while I've got all of that still raging, while I've got hurry and I've got worry and I've got anxiety and I've got the feeling of lack and I've got the feeling that I'm not gonna have enough and I've got the feeling that people are gonna reject me and I'm worried about today and I'm fearful about tomorrow and I've got hurry and I've got so much on my plate that I've got so much spinning. He says, what I've experienced about God and what God continuously promises in his word is that God prepares an entirely different table for us a table that is overflowing with God's peace in the midst of everything else. It says, in the middle of everything else, not, not once I've gotten rid of the hurry and once I've dealt with all the worry and all the fear and once I've dealt with all my anxiety and once I've dealt with my lack of my lack and my feeling of discontentment, like one, it's not once I've pushed all that away and gotten rid of all of that, then I can have peace. David says, right in the middle of all that, in the middle of my enemies, God prepares a table for me. And the good news is for you today is the simple truth of this that God has prepared a table for you and invited you to sit at his table instead of sitting at the table of hurry and instead of sitting at the table of worry and instead of sitting at the table of anxiety and instead of sitting at the table of of lack, instead of continuously being fed by by worry and, and hurry and lack and anxiety, God says, I have prepared a table for you. And at my table, You will not find what's at the table of hurry and you will not find what's at the table of worry and you will not find what's at the table of lack and you will not find the the lies that are at the table of anxiety. You will find goodness and mercy and provision and oh yeah, you will find peace. And the way we enter that table is to know our God. And the way we know our God is by placing our trust and beginning a relationship with his son, Jesus, who he sent as the invitation to sit at the table that he has prepared for you. See, at at God's table, instead of hurry, there is stillness and slowness and calm. Instead of worry and fear, there is perfect love that casts out all fear. Instead of anxiety, there is peace and confidence that God is with me and God is the strength of my life. And so I have no reason to worry. I have no reason to believe the inner lies when there's what, the, what God has said to be true about me. Instead of lack, there is perfect provision. There's perfect provision that God has prepared a table for you and he has invited you through Jesus to sit and eat at his table in the presence of of everything else that's going on, not to deal with it all and hope it all goes away and then you can find peace, but that while everything is still going on, while there's still hurry, while there's still worry, while there's still anxiety, while there's still fear, while there's still lack, while there's still the voices that are screaming for your attention and screaming for your devotion and trying to feed you all the stuff that they want to feed you, God says in the middle of all that, I have prepared a place for you where instead of everything that those guys and those worries and those fears and those enemies are trying to teach you and trying to get you to believe and trying to, ha- trying to get you to live, I have prepared a place of peace for you because the peace is not about the circumstances of life. The peace is about the presence of God. See, that's the bottom line today. That's the bottom line from this scripture, that peace is not found in the absence of conflict. Peace is found in the presence of God. Peace is not found in the absence of conflict. Peace is found in the presence of God. Meaning, when you're with God and God is with you, you can have peace regardless of the circumstances of your life. When you're with God and God is with you, you can have peace regardless of the conflict in your life. When you're with God and God is with you, you can have peace regardless of the stress of your life. When you're with God and God is with you, you can have peace regardless of the lack and the discontentment and the conflict and the anxiety and the worry and the hurry that in the middle of that, you can have peace because you are close to the source of peace. You are close and connected to God. God has invited you and God has invited me to sit at his table in his presence and to know his peace. See, you know what Christianity offers that's unique? That's one of them right there. That's one of them right there. That we don't have to push away everything in order to find peace. In the middle of everything else where there seems to be no peace, God himself is our peace. And when we sit at his table and we experience his presence, we get to know his peace. And because he's with you, you can know calm in the hurry of life. And because he's with you, you can know confidence in the worry of life. And because he's with you, you can know peace in the face of anxiety. And because he's with you, you can know God's perfect provision in the face of lack. That is, is unique to the Christian faith. That you don't have to remove all conflict and all stress and all anxiety and all fear in order for you to find peace. You find peace in the presence of the God who has prepared a table for you. I love how he goes on to close out Psalm 23. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. A couple of little imagery things there. Protection, the, the oil that he mentions is, is, is symbolic of the protection of God. That not only when we're, in the, when we're in the presence of God are we provided for, and does he direct us, and does he lead us to rest, And does he provide for us some more? But while he's providing for us and while he's directing us and while he's leading us and guiding us and he's providing for us, he's also protecting us. That this oil, it it was symbolic of the anointing of God. But the reason that in in the Old Testament, the, the cultural reason where they would actually pour oil on the head of someone was the oil would suffocate and would protect a person's head from lice or from other uh, other other head, head and hair parasites. He says, You anoint my head with oil, you protect my head and you protect my mind. God is not just the provision and the source of, of my provision and direction, he's also the source of my protection. And he says, Surely, goodness and mercy, they'll follow me because God walks with me, and in his presence, and flowing from him is all goodness and all mercy, that God has prepared a table for you that wherever you walk and whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation of your life are, you don't have to remove all of the circumstances. You don't have to remove all the conflict and you don't have to remove all the stress and you don't have to remove all the fear and you don't have to remove all the anxiety and you don't have to remove all the difficult relationships in order for you to find peace. You simply have to find God in the middle of it. And the good news is he is walking with you and has prepared a table for you in the middle of all that. So you can have peace in the middle of of all of that. And so the question today as we close, as we close this, this, this section of unique is simply the question this, which cha- table will you choose? Which, which table will you choose? Again, for what we are told and what we are taught and the way that so many of us have lived our lives, we have continually, maybe unknowingly, chosen to sat at the table of hurry and sit at the table of worry and sit at the table of fear, and sit at the table of anxiety, and sit at the table of doubt, and sit at the table of discontentment, and sit at the table of lack, and we have continuously fed ourselves exactly what those enemies of our soul have attempted to feed us. And the good news for you today is while that's what you have chosen to this point, or may have chosen to this point, today you can make a new choice. That beginning today, You can choose to sit at the table that God has prepared for you in his presence and you can know his peace. So which table will you choose? The, the, the good news today, again, is you can choose to sit at the table that God has prepared for you. You can accept the invitation to the table of God by accepting what Jesus Christ has done for you when he died on the cross for your sins and when he rose again to bring you new life. When he paid the price for your sins and all the mess and all the mistakes that you had made at the cross, He, I mean, it, it cost him his life. It cost him his blood. He shed his blood to pay the price for your sin. And he rose from the dead conquering death, conquering hell, conquering sin, and raising to new life and inviting you to join him in new life at the table God has prepared for you, where you can know his presence and therefore you can know his peace. Today, if you've never made that decision before, I want to encourage you, would you make that decision today to sit at and to eat from the table that God has prepared for you and to, and to begin moving in that direction by choosing what Jesus has done for you, to accept what he did for you that you couldn't do for you. And because of what Jesus did for you, you are welcomed and you are invited into the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there is peace that you can't know anywhere else in this world because peace is not found within me. It's found in he. And peace isn't about the absence of conflict. It's about the presence of God. And we get invited into the presence of God by Jesus. So today, would you sit at the table that God has for you? Would you find yourself a spot? Would you park yourself at the table and begin to eat of the peace and the joy and the hope and the life and the stillness and the calm and the love that God has for you at his table? I hope you'll do that today. And I hope you'll find the courage to keep choosing that every single day. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your wisdom, your joy, your life, your peace. And God, thank you that today we can choose to sit at the table that you have prepared for us. God, thank you that you've prepared a table for us. And God, thank you that the the preparation and the presence of that table, it does not depend on the circumstances and the situations of life. But God, regardless of the circumstances and situations of life, you've prepared a table for us in the middle of everything going on. And God, in the middle of everything going on, we can still know your peace because we know you. And you sit at that table so we can know your presence, we can know your peace. And so God, I pray that every single one of us, God, we would have the wisdom to recognize the table that we've been sitting at. And, and, and the ways that maybe that table is not the table that we should have been at all along. But God, today give us wisdom to see where, we're, where we are and give us the courage to choose something better as we choose you and the table that you've prepared for us. And God, as we do this, would you bless and would you help us to experience your peace in the middle of our enemies, in the presence of our enemies? Would you help us to experience your joy, your life, and your hope and everything that good that flows for you, every bit of goodness and mercy that comes from you as we experience your peace, as we experience your presence. We love you, God. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.